All right, you guys. So it's been a while since I preached. Um, the first part, we went through an intro. We just kind of learned who Peter was. And the one thing that I just wanted to recap it just very briefly is that we are called elect exiles. Um, and Peter draws heavily from the Old Testament, and he calls us um, chosen by God, and we are strangers in this world, and our home is heaven. And that's a little bit of a setup for what we're going to get into today. Um, and I want to start by telling a little story from my wife's perspective. Um, she, she came to me one day and said, Fred, Fred, you, you won't believe this. Look at this thing. And she had, she had a raspberry. I don't remember if she had a raspberry or if she was just talking about them. But she was so excited. She said, it's a little berry, but there's like a million little berries that make up this one berry. And it has little pockets of juice that burst in your mouth like a gusher. And there's people that spend millions of dollars to, to replicate this. Um, and, and God gives this freely to us. And... Deer can eat it off the vine next to a river. Isn't this amazing? And she's excited and passionate about what she was sharing with me. She was, she was glorifying God and what he's done. And she's communicating truth, um, but not just monotone telling me. She, they're, they're in her countenance and in the way she said it and what she said. It was really clear that she was enjoying God and what he was doing. And in the and she's and she is explicit about that. And what we're going to encounter today is Peter doing something really, really similar. So bear that in mind as we as we begin, uh, because Peter's passionate about what we're going to learn, and we ought to be also. So uh, by way of outline, if you like outlines, there's three points: three, four, and five. Verse three, four, and five is point one, two, and three. Very, very simple. And we're going to go phrase by phrase. We're not going to get through much, but there's a lot here. And so we're just going to meditate on it this evening. Um, and my, my goal, I get to preach in two weeks from now. And my goal is, to, is that you guys would be, and me too, would be rooted in the reality shared here for our, our exalting in God, exalting in God, and also to be able to, to see how we do so, um, even in the midst of trying things in difficult, difficult circumstances. So before we, we get in, um, let's just read this first little phrase, because we're going to meditate on this a lot. Here at the beginning, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody who has an ESV will... Notice the exclamation mark. Now, I know that punctuation in the scripture is not inspired. Um, so that, that's not inspired there. <laughs> punctuation doesn't exist in the Greek, um, at least in that context. And uh, if you pick up an ESV CD, I guarantee you he's going to be really passionate to try to mimic that. That's not inspired. But if we read the whole thing, and I want to read three through nine in the way that I think Peter would have said it. Because when you read it, it comes through his heart, his passion, his joy. Um, it's almost as if you can hear it. And, and uh, most to all scholars recognize that verse 3 through 12, which is two paragraphs in like nine verses, 
here, nine periods, I think, nine or eight or something like that, nine sentences, is one long sentence in the Greek. Uh, he would have gotten F in English grammar, Peter would, he just had a long run-on sentence. So um, and it's because he's bursting at the seams. And so I want to read it in a way that I, I think he would say it, um, or maybe he would think it as he writes it. So I want us to get the flavor of, of, of how Peter is thinking. So he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable and undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, (laughs) excuse me, more precious than gold that perishes, though... uh, though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus, Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And so just in, in light of the fact that Peter saying these marvelous grand things in Psalm 66, what we read in our call to worship, same, same sort of uh, flavor is going on there. And I think there's a lot of application for it. So I want to, God chose to instruct us in a number of different ways. Psalms um, has, is poetry. There's laments in the Bible. This is certainly not a lament. It's the, on the opposite side. It's a rejoicing. Some texts are like really, really rigorous and, and they take a lot of thought and a lot of effort. And they're not as emotion laden as this one is. Uh, but this one is certainly emotion laden. And, and it, it's amazing that in God's wisdom, this is the way that Peter would start out the, the book, really getting into what he's going to talk about. He's not thoroughly teaching anything here. He's mentioning a lot of stuff that they know, but he's rejoicing in it. Um, and so today, I hope that you and I both um, feel it. The first application, just by way of general application of this, is there, there exists appropriate responses and inappropriate responses to certain truths. So it would be really inappropriate to be really joyful and, and happy and giddy and, and loose and light about the doctrine of hell. It's serious, it's weighty, it's burdensome, um, suffering in this life. That's not a light, glib, easy thing. That's serious. It comes with a certain tone. And on the other hand, he is sharing about our salvation. And so there's happiness and joy and wonder at what God is doing. So um, we ought to have that same sort of feeling when we when we think about our salvation uh it it ought to be great emphatic joyful passionate 
happy glorying in God. That's what we should that's what we should feel and see as we as we read these words here. Um, also, as a application is, I believe that these truths, since they should produce a certain sort of feeling and passion in you, that they can overcome depression. And I'm not meaning in a clinical sense, um, although I think that's an important uh, topic. I, I'm talking about what, what the general use of people when feeling I'm feeling depressed. I'm feeling like a crushing sadness. You're feeling uh, dark in your soul. Um, and I'd love to go to 2 Corinthians 1 or 2 Corinthians 6.10 where it talks about sorrowful yet always rejoicing. But I want to just do a quick um, brief look at Habakkuk in chapter 3. And you can go there, 3.16 through 18. Um, but I have to make it really condensed. The whole book, very, very short. And then we'll look at that text. So in short, while you're turning there, Habakkuk 3, um, it's a lament. It's situated like that, and there's a back and forth. And Habakkuk is bringing some of his sorrows, and he's a little bit angry at God. Um, and it's, they're going back and forth. And in short, what happens in the span of three chapters is God lays out a few different promises. Uh, one is really jarring, and Habakkuk doesn't want to hear it. That would be the first one. The first fold of the promise is that Babylon is going to, or yeah, Babylon's going to come and, and crush you. Uh, Israel's rebellious, and they're, they're going to get destroyed. But part of the goodness of God's promise is that with the rising and falling of evil nations, God is in control all the way through. That's the first part of Habakkuk. And then the second is that the Messiah is going to come and with the rising and falling of nations, there's a comparison to, to Pharaoh. Um, like Babylon, great nation, God's going to lift him up and bring him down and he's going to do so through the son of David. He's going to do so through the Messiah. And lastly, he directs something towards Habakkuk and he says, you, Habakkuk, you will gain your life through faith. You will gain your salvation from my wrath by faith. Um, Romans picks this up, but why I bring all this up when we read this text is I think it's illustrative how your faith in God and his salvation, his promises, brings you to rejoicing and overcomes crushing sadness. Let's see this in Habakkuk 3, in that context, in verse 16. 16 is going to be the internal things that he feels, and then he's going to go to the external, and you'll see his response, because this is the faithful response. This is what it means to, to gain your life by faith here, um, as in the book. It says, I hear, and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me, yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon the people who invade us. That is to say, I'm going to trust God, even though this is frightening and, and I'm scared. Um, 
Now the external, verse 17, he says, Though the, the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flocks be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. And you see, what we're talking about today is the Lord's salvation. This is all the text is going to be in. So we need to be able to say with him, in any circumstance, I'll bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. So with that, in a meditation on how the first 12 verses are going to go, let's, at, let's look at the first um, reason. Why, why is Peter excited? Why is he rejoicing? It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. First reason and the reason for rejoicing that he gives is I've been born again. We've been born again. You've been made alive. You've been given spiritual life. Uh, The theological term regeneration. That's why he's rejoicing. It's the first reason. Um, If you remember in John chapter three, very famously, Jesus said, unless one is born again or born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The people who before regeneration, you're spiritually blind. People would encounter Christ, see him face to face and see no glory and, and walk away. Absolutely no love for Jesus. Because they're spiritually blind. And that's how you and I are before we are born again. Again, right after that, he says, unless one is born of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Same thing. Seeing, entering. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He talked about people who take it by force. Um, And without this thing that the spirit does the father does you you will not rejoice (laughs) but everybody here who calls on the name of the lord which i know all of you and i i believe you do you may rejoice because god has caused you to be born again and in john chapter 3 it says the spirit does it but here peter's praising the father why is that Unless you under unless you can read the Bible in the lens of the Trinity, you're going to make hash of it. There's there's absolutely no way to understand the fact that the Spirit can be doing one thing and the Father doing one thing, and they're both doing it. Unless you have the doctrine of the Trinity, there's not three gods. There's one God. God regenerated you, and the Spirit specifically. Jesus identifies as doing it, but what does the Father do? Well, he chose us, right? We learn that he elected us before the foundation of the world. And what does Jesus do? We're just about to see. He's going to come and atone, make, make sacrifice for us and rise again from the dead. All three parts of the Trinity are at work in this text. And that's how you can see the Trinity all over the Bible. Um, and it's a glorious thing. So be on the lookout because uh, that is how you understand Uh, The word of God and all that it says together. 
So um, two phrases that he employs. So blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has born us again. And two things that he uses to, to emphasize and to explain what he is talking about is he says, firstly, um, to, firstly, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. And then just after that, he says he does so through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So let's take the first one. We are born again according to great mercy. Not little mercy, great mercy. And the reason it's great mercy is because the new life you have in Jesus is not earned. It's not meritorious. It's not according to anything that you or I have done. It's according to mercy. It's a gift. It's, we earn, Thessalonians says, eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord. And that is terrifying. And that's why Peter's soaring right now because he has it. Because you have it. You have this new life. And God, being gracious to you, has given it to you. And how has he done it? Uh, a lot of us, and I think I fall in this some, is I think of mercy at sometimes as, a, as like a, a thought or like a warm feeling. Uh, travel mercies, I bless you. A warm feeling. But here, the other phrase that Peter uses to, he's explaining, but he, he, is, he chose mercy has, has means. Jesus Christ his, his life, death, resurrection, and he specifically points out the resurrection because that's how we have life. That, that is the way God has mercy. It's not just a pleasant thought. It took a lot. It took the death of a perfect savior. It took the rising of a, of, of a man who was our savior who was crushed under the weight of your and my sin that he took on himself. Um, and that's why it's great. And that's why um, we ought to be rejoicing. He says that we have been born again to a living hope. Um, which is amazing. You're, you're, we, in this state when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, this, as the Bible calls it elsewhere, the old man has a, has a nature to it. And what does that nature do? We all know it, it, it gratifies the flesh. It lusts. It, it desires rebellion against God. And that nature has been crucified with Christ. It's dead. It's gone. And we have new life. We've been raised again with Jesus. And the new life has a nature too. And it's designed to hope in something. Do you see that there? He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. So your new nature has a, has a goal, has an intended end, and you're going there. It's living because Jesus is raised from the dead. It's living because it's real. It's not, it's not just something wishful. Like we wish for a lot of things in this life. It's not wishful. It's alive. It's a reality. And it's, it's fixed in heaven. And, and we are designed now, and it takes work, believers. It takes work to, to set your hope right there uh, where Peter's talking about. 
but that's your that's your nature and by the spirit we all can hope uh in this thing okay let's move let's move on to the next verse let me read and i'll read through verse four blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ according to his great mercy he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. So, Kian, look in your Bible at the word to. It says to an inheritance. Peter does this another time in this text again in the next verse, but it's the same preposition that he just used, and he's not telling you you're born again to something else. This is an expansion on on what he just said. So you were born again to a living hope. Peter, what do you mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is you've been born again to an inheritance. That is, and then he explains what it is. So your living hope is your inheritance. They're not different things. It's it's a different aspect of the same reality. It's like taking a diamond, you twist it, and you see it in a different light. You see a different facet of this reality that he's talking about. Um, and he, he says three things predominantly about it. He says, well, well, first let's do this. Inheritance. We usually think, when I die, I get this. Now, that's true in the Jewish culture, in the, in the culture that, that Peter is speaking but that's not what he's talking about here. Um, it's Someone has died in order for you to get this. Yes, that's true. But it's not the typical way we think of inheritance. Peter, like I tried to establish before, is going to draw from the Old Testament. Inheritance. Uh, by God's providence. This is really sweet that I read Joshua uh, about a month ago. And in Joshua 14, here's what's said. It says, these are the inheritances that the people of Israel received in the land of Canaan, which Eleazar the priest and Joshua the son of Nun and the heads of the father's households, uh, houses of the tribes of the people of Israel gave them to inherit. Their inheritance was by lot, just as Yahweh had commanded by the hand of Moses for the nine and, and one half tribes. For Moses had given an inheritance, and he, he goes on, and it's a, it's a relatively large paragraph, and he, he goes on for the next... Uh, six chapters talking about the borders and the boundaries of places and where things are and it can get kind of arduous i know that people like i did this in the morning i was falling asleep a little bit because this is like all these okay this is this land by here but what's that all about what's the whole purpose of that um and and i believe peter's drawing from that specifically uh why is he doing that um he's talking about in uh, the inheritance that we have in Christ, which is like the Old Testament inheritance here, but it's different. It's better. The inheritance here, he says in chapter 21, here's how it sums up all the chapters. After everybody gets their inheritance, here's what's said. Thus the Lord gave to Israel... All the land that he swore to give to their fathers and they took possession of it and they settled there and he gave them rest on every side just as he had sworn to their fathers. Now one of all of their enemies had withstood them for the Lord had given all their enemies into their hands. Now one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made 
to the house of Israel had failed, all came to pass. Do you see it? Do you, do you see the connection between uh, the inheritance we have in Christ and the inheritance they have? It's something that's promised to you in the scriptures by God. Oh, it's so amazing. But guess what? What happened to them? Do you guys remember? They were exiled. They, they threw it away. They followed after idols. They, they got kicked to the curb by God. They got destroyed and moved to another nation um, to weep for years on end. Uh, and our inheritance is different. Peter's going to describe it in three different ways. First, he says that, uh, let, me, let me get there real quick. He says that our hope is, our inheritance is uh, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. So imperishable and unfading. Two different ways to say it's eternal. We have an eternal inheritance. It's something that's going to last forever, unlike the inheritance that Israel has. Now, we could talk about more in, in depth, but when we get to heaven, we, when we get to this inheritance, it's never going away. And that's an amazing reality that we can stake our lives on. The, the other thing that he says is that our inheritance is undefiled. So the thing that the nations got cast out of the land is because they defiled it. The same reason Israel got kicked out of the land. They sullied it by their sin. They did all manner of displeasing things to God. And glorious hallelujah, we cannot sully heaven by our sin. That is not, it's not, we're not able to do that. God is going to make it such that we don't defile our inheritance like Israel. That's why it's better. That's why this promise of his salvation is better. And because we weary so much, he says another amazing thing. He says, it's kept in heaven for you. The king of the heavens, the sovereign ruler of all creation has made you a promise to give you an inheritance and he's keeping it. By his power, he's guarding it in the heavenly places. It's not something that can be taken. Uh, Jesus said, we're Store up treasure for yourself in heaven where moth and rust can't destroy and where people can't break in and steal. The hosts of heaven are guarding your inheritance and it cannot be taken away. Um, this, is a, this may be a strange application for you, but, but um, I, I would encourage you because of this, to not hope in the American dream of retirement and 35 years of leisure doing absolutely nothing. You have an inheritance, and that inheritance is a plot of land, so to speak, that will never be taken away, and it's going to be as glorious as the Garden of Eden without end and with no sin walking in the Garden of God. It's an amazing place, and, and that you can bank on. The, uh, as much as I would encourage you to be good stewards and uh, save your money and be able to have a retirement, that, that may not be a possibility. 
we might be in all sorts of manner of persecution and be ostracized from society and scrounging to, to eat daily bread. We have no idea, absolutely no idea, uh, where we're going to be in 20, 25 years from now, what the Lord would do. I hope it's good. Uh, things don't look very good. <laughs> um, you can see my eschatology a little bit there. But um, I do know that if you don't set your hope on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on the inheritance that you'll have in heaven that's secure, that's guaranteed that you will have for eternity, uh, then you can have hope. You can have joy. You can have rejoicing uh, at any time, regardless of what circumstances may be internal or external. Uh, Lastly, uh, in the last verse, Verse five, it says, um, well, verse four, it says we are born again to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And I don't I feel maybe I just feel excessively weak, but this is an amazing assurance for my soul. So often I wake up and I go, am I going to make it another day? Am I going to persevere to the end? I I worry about my own faithfulness. I see myself in the mirror. I see how faltering and failing I am. You guys know your own sinfulness. And this word is refreshment for the soul. It's absolute Assurance to you if, you if you grab it, if you hold on to it. It says that you are guarded by God's power. The omnipotent, all-knowing, mighty God that we serve is guarding you. Can he not do it? He absolutely can, and it's great assurance for our souls. And uh, he says that it is done by the means of faith. Do you see it here? It says, who are being guarded through faith. And so I bet you, although I didn't read anything to this, I bet you people at this point would run away to say, but it's up to you as long as you hold on. Um, it's, it's, uh, God's doing the best he can, but, um, it's your faith that'll get you in there finally. And the disposition in the first four verses of Peter and the rest of the book, uh, do not flow that way. Absolutely not. They are, it's, it's God's power that's guarding you. And there's a, there's a means by which he uses. I'll, I'll remind you of one text. It says, Peter, or excuse me, Paul says, work out your salvation. Okay, same, same thing we're talking about here. With fear and trembling. Because it's God who wills to work his good pleasure in you. And so, let's just go real quick. Work out your salvation. Okay, we have a works righteousness. No, 
um, with fear and trembling. Fear and trembling is the Old Testament way of talking about having, having uh, saving faith in the Lord. Uh, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Why or, or how? Because it's God who works in you to will his good pleasure. So God uses your faith in order to hold you. It's an amazing thing. Um, I'll remind you of Peter himself and, and where it would be really uh, heartfelt from his perspective as it relates to the, these very words. If you remember, Peter denied Christ three times. Um, he said, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay. I'm not going to leave like the rest. I'm going to hold out. Um, and I, he probably believed it. Uh, and Jesus said, no, you're going to deny me three times for the rooster Rooster Crows said, never, I'll never do that. Um, and he, he uh, says that Satan has demanded to sift you like wheat, but I've prayed for you. And when you turn, strengthen your brothers. Peter was going to fall. That was ordained by the Lord. He was also going to return to the Lord in faith. That was ordained by the Lord. Why? Because Jesus was interceding for him. Your faith is something that God has sovereign control over. And he is strong enough to guard you through it. As mysterious as that may be to us, he uses the means of faith, his power to keep you. Um, And if you move one verse down, we read that it's through various trials. No matter the circumstance, God keeps you. God is the one who sustains our faith. Um, And that's an amazing reality that I want you to be able to hold on to. He says that we are born again to an inheritance. And we are, it's kept in heaven. And we are being guarded by God through faith for a salvation. same, Same thing that he talked about before. This, again, is not a different thing. This is another turn of the diamond. This is another facet so your, your living hope is your inheritance that's talked about in the scripture. And your inheritance is right here is said to be your salvation, a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. That's your inheritance. And you might ask, don't I already have salvation? I, I was saved, right? And I'm, I'm being saved. There's that final aspect of salvation. God has saved you. He's working out your salvation and one day, this is what we're looking forward to, the revelation of, of Jesus Christ and the, the revelation of him coming back again. And at that point, Christ, whom you love, whom you trust, that he is your salvation. He's our salvation. And that's about to be revealed in the last time. So there's, a, there's an already aspect. We already are saved. And yet, one day, what we don't have yet, God is going to reveal um, the fullness of our salvation. It's imminent. It's promised. It's trustworthy. It's all done in the power of God. So, recap and uh, my my. Prayer. We'll, we'll wrap up with praying, but if you hold on to the reality that's here, you can rejoice and you can do so in 
every single situation. I want to see you rejoice when you find your most devastating sorrow in the world, which may be coming up soon. May, um, I don't know. But I know that God keeps his people. He is faithful and, and he is in control of your salvation. And together, I pray that we would be able to rejoice just like Peter here, glorifying the Father for all that he does for us in Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we honor you. We know that you are powerful and you are the ruler of all things. You keep us by the word of your power. I pray, God, that we would be able to add our works. I pray that we'd be able to, um, and in our homes, in quarrels, in, in, in relaxing time, and in any situation, we might be able to recall um, our salvation and, and what, you're, what you've promised to us, our inheritance, our, our hope, our, our real living abiding hope. Um, I pray that we would live by the Spirit in setting our minds on this reality and we'd be able to rejoice uh, even if suffering comes and when it comes. I pray, God, that everyone would, everyone here would be able to recall these realities and find deep, satisfying, all-consuming joy in Christ and in you, Father, and in you, Holy Spirit. May you grant us these things by your power. In Jesus' name, amen.